Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 167. This interview is with Alex Mearson, who runs La Boutique de Luxe, working with a number of the most prestigious luxury brands, and is also, more importantly, creative director, founder and president of the eponymous luxury horlogerie brand, Alexandre Mearson. In this conversation, we talk about the creation of this luxury brand and explore and unpack the digital marketing strategy specific to his luxury segment. We discuss social media marketing, commerce, and of course e-commerce, and influencer marketing, among other great topics. Finally, I also want to give a word of great thanks to my pioneer sponsor, Tracker, the influencer relationship management platform that can help you identify and manage the best influencers for your business. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Minter Dialogue. Today I am actually in presence with the person I'm having on the show, who is Alex Mearson, a friend and someone with whom I've worked on a number of projects. So Alex, tell us who you are, what you do, and as on this beautiful Sunday, Saturday morning, what is your mindset? Uh, I'm uh, extremely grateful to um, meet you today and to wake up at 6 a.m. to see you and to talk to you guys. Um, so as you can hear from my croaky voice and accent, I'm French. My name is Alexander Mearson. I am a luxury watch and accessories designer. I've launched my brand uh, quite recently, actually, a year ago, as I would say a new chapter in the long tradition of my family in uh, uh, design, architecture, and watch and jewelry creation. So that's me. And what about your mindset? Um, I'm happy. I'm in Paris. I'm going to London today, to China tomorrow. I'm a bit tired, but my mindset is very positive. And uh, yeah, I'm happy. So, Alex, tell us about the the history um, well, of your between your father's watches, and then the the inspiration for you to come on and, and start your own take this crazy idea of starting your own beautiful watch collection. Well, thanks for that. Um, what else to say than that this is and has always been my life's project and my dream. So I'm a happy man because I do what I love and. Uh, but it was a long journey to get there. Um, I started this business. Eight years ago now, it took me seven years to launch it. Uh, my father was one of the crazy guys in the 50s and 60s to uh, create and who invented the concept of the fashion watch, fashion jewelry. Um, so um, working with and surrounded with couture designers, people in fashion, he uh, invented a new category in a way and uh, designed for many, many of the big names out there, the Tiffany's, the Van Clef, the Mikimoto, the Stern, the Vempe, and created under his name amazing collections of watches and jewelry um, uh, in the, I would say, high fashion premium category. And I grew up in this world between his studio in Paris and the workshop, the watch workshop in Besançon, which is the, 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 the heart of French uh, watchmaking, and fell in love not only with watches, but with accessories in general, uh, what would be qualified today as luxury accessories, which has nothing to do with bling-bling, but more craftsmanship and creation. And um, added to what my father taught me in terms of design and the pursuit of 
excellence in style and, and designing things that fit and that express a style and sign a style. I've uh, grown, grown in to, to love the mechanical timepieces, which is my area. Uh, and also, as a child of the digital, I discovered how incredibly powerful the screen could be in complement to paper and to direct relationship. And uh, this is why I blend uh, so much digital into uh, my day-to-day um, -day, uh, relationship with my customers. Uh, we're going to get into that in a moment, but um, tell us a little bit more about the the way you came up with your collections. You've done several collections in, in the year already since you've launched. And just to give us a little bit of an idea of the type of watches that you're you're trying to create. Well, um, my goal, my, my goal is to uh, reflect on the idea of luxury for today or today's luxury. Uh, there's no other word in the dictionary that is more misused and used than the word luxury. Mm -hmm. Anything can be luxury today, and, and you add this word to anything else, and suddenly it becomes incredible. But I, for the last 10, 15 years, I have been, I've had the privilege of working for some of the most iconic luxury brands around the world, more than 30 of the big maisons de luxe, um, as, a, as a consultant. Um, and growing up in one of the, those, in, in a Maison de Luxe, I, um, I have been constantly challenged and constantly impressed by the, the, the concept of creation. And my goal is to create beautifully crafted but modern timepieces that express my vision of today's luxury, which is all about understatement, art in detail, and um, um, yes, craftsmanship that doesn't shout wealth, but more a sense of style. Yeah, elegance. Elegance is a very difficult word to oh, define okay. because no, it's it's a good it's a good question. Elegance is something uh, you can find elegance in vulgarity sometimes. Mm. Uh, uh, I I would rather say um, a sense of uh, timelessness mm -hmm. that. Uh, has that that expresses what today is and what and that matches the current um, spirit of the time I would say yeah. when you, when you went into this you, you said you you took seven years before you actually launched yeah. your collection as you described to me before you actually had to go around and find and recruit these different watchmakers to your program because a let's say it's not a, a craft that's maybe gaining so many new people. The, the best watch people are highly sought after um, by all the big watchmakers. So you, tell us a little bit about how you went around and, and managed to recruit these folks. Yes, and they're, they're hiding. Yeah. Um, f first of all, when, I, this, when I, I had set up my studio and uh, the, 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 my, my own, let's say, infrastructure, um, which I decided to use to the purpose of building my own brand, uh, I, I had it took me a long time to think about what I wanted to do, and the first decision I made was to absolutely forget any rule and just decide to to give myself an an amazing opportunity, a huge privilege, which is to create what I had in my heart without considering for a second what the market or what people thought the market wanted. 
So I decided to follow my intuition, work very hard, and and to follow values more than to and to nurture values more than rules. Those the, the key value I've always nurtured and is at the heart of everything we do is integrity, and uh, to deliver. Uh, what I wanted to deliver, which are um, l- luxurious, um, crafted timepieces that are only made out of, the, of precious materials that have, are, are genuine mechanical sculptures. Um, it, they, I had to choose the terroir, I would say the land where they would be built, and I had to make sure that I didn't c- cut any corner. I wanted to be able to present my product knowing that intrinsically it was absolutely excellent. And uh, for me, there are two lands of watchmaking and taking the risk of shocking some, the, the, those two lands are Japan and Switzerland. Uh, there are other regions in the world that have a culture related to watchmaking or horology, be it uh, technology, um, knowledge, craft, uh, savoir-faire, uh, but no other place in the world has this culture embedded in its uh, DNA as it is possibly in Switzerland and certainly also in, in, in Japan. So I chose Switzerland as my first land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a British brand, we had the choice. We could, do wherever, we could go wherever we wanted. And um, for se- seven years are the years that it took me to build my independence first. To have integrity, you have to be able not to be influenced negatively by anybody. And if I put my name to something, I am totally accountable. So I wanted to be able to stand firm and say, this is my work. You can like it, you can love it, you can hate it. But no one will say it's badly made. And no one can say there's a corner that has been cut there. So it took me seven years to build the financial backing, uh, create the first collection or select which products I wanted to launch first and to create my supply chain. And the supply chain is composed of all these artisans I met one by one, who are the people I've known for many years because I've worked for so many other maisons, who uh, hidden in those mountains uh, are simply incredible craftspeople who are incredibly discreet and sought after, and who would never ever endorse with their work something they don't believe in. So it was, I needed to not only build a rapport and a relationship with them and convince them that what I was doing was serious because they asked about everything, the business plan, the strategy, but more importantly, I want to know I was in the family of watchmaking. We spoke the same language, understood what was behind the work and what was the meaning of being a member of that uh, family. So I had to convince them and also I had to convince them to work together. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the big, big, um, sorry, the, the big av- advantage I had is that I created my own engineering studio. So I designed everything by hand, and then the team headed by, by Laura, who's the, the head of product development uh, at Meerson, uh, effectively um, builds the, 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 the technical design and coordinates the work of those 80-plus artisans who then make uh, the timepieces. You said an English brand or British brand. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the reasoning for that, Mr. Mearson. Well, um, some are surprised that a French guy would create his uh, brand, but um, this is definitely a British brand. 
the Britishness uh, lies in the fact that uh, it's England that actually allowed me to become who I was. Mm -hmm. uh, this um, can-do attitude, this uh, challenge-yourself spirit, this um, sometimes smug openness, uh, curiosity, and um, self-confidence that you can be yourself working with people around the world and welcoming know-how and, and, and innovation from everywhere is definitely what tipped uh, me and, and encouraged me to go into this crazy, mad endeavor to launch a new brand. It's a beautiful thing to watch you uh, speak, Alex, about this with such passion. Um, so the, the area that I really want to dig into, Alex, and how we sort of ended up really hanging out so much was this notion of digital for luxury. Let's say that if we had to sort of put a, a, a generalization, most of the luxury brands out there have come late to the party in terms of luxury. We often talk about Burberry, but for the rest, they're sort of coming along and they, ha they have a lot of trouble reconciling digital and luxury. Tell us about your strategy with regard to how you have approached this, this notion of driving your brand with a blended and digital look. Um, it's a it's very, very interesting subject that I've been thinking about, working on for many, many years, as, as you know. Today, I am convinced and I know that digital is pervasive in, 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 throughout all the areas of a, of a luxury brand and that it should be at the heart of any luxury brand. Why? Uh, first of all, the internet and those internet and digital technologies are everything but only mass market communication tools. They are, for me, the only way, there are not many, the only way for a genuine luxury brand to uh, connect and communicate directly with its customers around the world. It's, um, it's, it's um, as, as, a, as, a, as a brand, I try to recreate and to um, create the modern Maison de Luxe. If you are very um, honest, you would discover and you'll think that the, tr the Maison de Luxe that are today iconic brands or big, big names are essentially very small businesses. And what made them so beautiful is the direct connection a creator has had with his or her customers and the craftsmen around the product. When you think of Yves Saint Laurent, when you think of Chanel, you have to remember that they didn't build brands. They built Maison de Luxe that became brands. Mm -hmm. And that this direct connection, the the fact that the creator became a close advisor, friend, mentor to mm -hmm. the clients, and that the clients also nourished the creation of the designer, was what made each of these brands so unique. What defines um, a luxury brand in comparison to some wider or mass market brands, which are also great businesses. Mm -hmm. But what really defines those luxury brands is whilst a mass brand is about reaching out, trying to bring the product to the wide population. A luxury brand digs in. 
a luxury brand constantly reflects about its identity, its raison d'être, is constantly on the verge of disappearing. And the work of a creator is basically to create his or her silhouette and to dig in every season, every month, constantly, saying how you can refine it, how you can adapt it to today and to tomorrow, and how can you make it meaningful at that moment whilst keeping the value and your style. And the style is not defined by... Um, uh, by by features, a style is not what are uh, it's not made of the recognizable features of a brand. It's not about having a a certain color or a certain de design on your on your clothes or on your accessory. It's about your silhouette that you constantly refine, and when you look at one of them out of twenty, you know it is a Yves Saint Laurent dress mm -hmm. because it has this identity. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by saying that is that you cannot achieve this by uh, being a follower of what people think they want, but it's about knowing people, it's about engaging with them, seeing how they behave. And digital today is for a brand to reach to its clients and to connect with its tribe of clients around the world. And we're talking about very few people. In Haute Couture, there are maybe 25 clients worldwide. In my case, I try to connect with 100, 200, 300 people every year. No more than that. Mm -hmm. And the internet is the only way to do this. All right, so it makes, I'm going to spark off on another mm -hmm. component of the conversation, which is when you have Christian Dior or Yves Saint Laurent running the brand or Alexandre Mierson running the brand, you incarnate the brand, you are the brand, you're the person who knows your customers, you're the one in this case who's also driving the digital agenda and the communications that are happening with your customers. But as night will follow day, successful luxury brands grow. And next thing you know, the creative designer, director decides to part ways, retire, do other things. And then how does that brand continue on? Is, this, is it not some, almost like an inevitable challenge, unless you have children who are going to come up and take over in the spirit of you know, little Meersons? How, do you, how does a luxury brand retain that sort of notion that you're just talking about? Um, it is the responsibility of the founder of the brand to uh, develop and very consistently allow the team around him to take ownership of their part of that business and to be able to incarnate them at their level in their responsibilities. I have absolutely no issue in being represented by any of the members of the team today. What I will refuse, simply, is to create any kind of branding slash marketing entity that uh, would take over or try to control communication and to define what is or is not on brand. And it is my, um, my ambition to remove any kind of filter or gimmick uh, that would become an impediment to this genuine line of contact with my clients. Why do I say that? Because uh, when brands have become those behemoths in some cases, uh, they've started 
first of all, delegating their distribution to third parties in their growth in the process. Mm -hmm. Some of them have, not all of them, and have therefore lost control over the direct relationship with their clients and have become uh, driven by marketing and branding teams that know how to say no more than to say yes. So they've lost a lot of their boldness and replaced boldness and creativity by uh, a sort of arrogance or playfulness or fake playfulness because it's very artificial. Mm -hmm. And then the, the brand becomes messages more than products and, and a genuine creation. Mm -hmm. This is not a general element at all. When you look at uh, some of the, the big brands who've controlled their communication and their distribution, this is not the case. But what I think is coming back today and what I see really coming back into play and I, and I admire are the brands that uh, resist the temptation to grow too fast mm -hmm. and um, are supported by financiers that understand the long cycle and rhythm of luxury brands. Again, I'm only talking about l real luxury. Yeah, like and, I'm not, and luxury brands are much smaller than they l seem, mm -hmm. so it's a different business objective in yeah. a way. Uh, and resist the temptation to grow too fast mm -hmm. and to create filters and uh, gimmicks and guidelines which will block this genuine uh, relationship. You can understand when the founder has disappeared or when um, the creators become employees in a way mm -hmm. uh, that you would want to create some, some sort of... Uh, uh, theme and style and tone of voice to make sure that you to ensure consistency. It is a very difficult exercise. Mm -hmm. Some succeed, some fail. Mm -hmm. In my case, I would say humbly that we are extremely small. Mm -hmm. It's not our day-to-day -day problem. And I know that uh, some of my posts on Facebook or Instagram will definitely have a French accent <laughs> and <laughs> appear quirky. But it's just, I'm just putting there, this is me. Uh, but not me only as a person, but this is me as a, this is how I see the world. And the only way I know to express that is through the design of, of watches and accessories. And uh, I try to just put it out there, honestly. So, um, Alexandre, we're, we're going to dip back, back in the skin. But just now you were mentioning genuine relationships and, you know, creating a genuine brand. And I did want to add a little spark for my sponsors, which are called Tracker. Because Tracker is a it's a platform that enables you to to reach out and create genuine relationships with influencers. It's an influencer relationship management platform that I've been working with personally for the last uh, two years. And so, um, what is Tracker? What's Tracker with two double A? Is double A <laughs> for those you were looking to look it up with a R, not E R at the end. Tracker helps brands plan and execute their influencer program end to end. And they'll help you identify key influencers in your sector, monitor them in real time, what they're doing with their activities to optimize your engagement with them, measure your impact, and manage your relationship with these influ influencers over time. Especially they really understand the, the notion of importance when you're dealing with influencers, that it's not a one-time hit, just like you are saying before. You're building up a long-term relationship. Tracker works with leading global brands across sectors, including luxury, which we're talking about so much today, Alex beauty and the fashion world and they have offices in the u.s and europe and are available and it's available in 11 languages so i highly encourage you to to check out tracker t-r-a-a-c-k-r dot com and with that uh, we want to circle back with you alex um we were talking about uh, the digital strategy that you put in place 
So tell us a little bit about how you've broken down what you're trying to do with digital and luxury. What are your angles of attack? You know, e-commerce, uh, mail, social, uh, influencer marketing. What's your, where? How are you approaching this? Because, you know, as you're saying, all brands and you guys are in particular are small. You have limited resources. So how do you focus your resources? Well, th- that's true. We have limited resources. And uh, those social tools or social media are very, very powerful. Now, what I've learned over time is that there is no magic recipe or magical recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to uh, experiment. Now, we are now in 2015, if I'm not wrong. Still. Um, and I remember that my first internet project was in 1993-94. And um, I'm always amused and sometimes annoyed when people tell me, what about those new technologies? What about the internet? How are you going to embrace it? Um, I, I would say that it's when you start talking about that, you are already late. Um, we are we have gone out of an intense time of DIY or do-it-yourself in this area. So on one hand, you're not allowed to fail. It's already so powerful what you do. It's already so strong that anything we do will have a direct impact on on your business. So yes, um, we have to be careful and, and, and plan ahead. But at the same time, you have to adjust as you walk. And for every brand the balance of tools is going to be different, the cocktail of what you're going to use. And again, there's no recipe. So the last year has been for me amazing because I've gone out of the wood basically with my creation saying, hello, here here I am. Um, this is what I'm presenting to you. And then came the feedback. And I hope for certain things. I got others and I discovered I met my clients. And after a few months of activating, you know, the network, then people I knew came, started coming, the clients I had never met before. And they, and we spoke, we met, and I understood where they are and who they are. Uh, my, my clients are what we call in French um, esthetes, are, are lovers of, of uh, style, of luxury, and they understand luxury more than they love it in a way. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they are... Um, they love the finest thing in, in the world. They, they love singularity, exclusivity, not uh, exclusivity that excludes other uh, or, or make them stand out or, or shine in a way. But they love the, the fact that something is made for them, mm-hmm. that it fits them and that and they're self-confident enough not to be seeking that into just a brand. But they, they love the product and what it means, its story, etc. And these people are avid users of the Internet my clients and um and i've uh, found out that i'm going i'm balancing basically my web platform which is my website at mirson.com where i present the products and improve constantly you know how i present them uh, add new images and you know again we're a small brand each picture is is very expensive so well, uh, and not, not the least of which in my mind of course is the australian rugby player you have spat on the front tell us about that as well well i, I will in a second he's actually a friend and, and a client of the brand um adam ashley cooper is an amazing guy um the the the, the website is going to, is basically where i store all and publish all my flow of content and stock of information where which is the point of contact where people subscribe and we connect through and it has two two three purposes one is it has to be the destination for anybody who wants to find me and what the first lesson i've learned over the last year is that 
uh, I am not obsessed at all by um, search marketing. I'm obsessed with search engine optimization. So I've abandoned all paid uh, SEM because at the moment where I'm positioned, I need to make sure that people who want to find me can find me easily mm -hmm. through the name and the product. But I'm not at all trying to own or become the captain of a category in itself, like mm -hmm. luxury watch or whatever, <laughs> which is uh, the, the fight of the titans. Right, um, right now, I want my, my website to be a destination And it's a place where we engage and communicate. So there is a hidden door on that website where uh, clients have a private access. And this is where they see their watch being made, where they can talk with the watchmaker, where they can have a Skype or interactive session with me when they're far away. And we have 40% of our clients who are in the U.S., for example, and who only we only work through the Internet together. And these guys can see their their watches being made, produced, assembled, come to life on the internet. And so just to tell us, did you have to sort of talk through all that with all the watchmakers, the craftmakers? I can imagine it would be a little bit of an intimate sphere to be uh, f filming into some atelier in the middle of Switzerland. Well, it, it's, it's very simple. We are friends. I go there, I come, I set up a camera or a webcam, and that's it. I, I mean, it's, uh, there's no big deal and transformation, change management, just to have a coffee, let's sit down, let's do it. You know, we are, we are small, and the advantage of being small is that we are probably more agile. We don't have the means of big brands. So being small also allows me, having small production, to get products that others can't do. So I can... I have a selection of leather and exotic skins that no one else can deliver because such, they're just available in so small quantities mm -hmm. that it doesn't make sense for a big brand to do. Likewise, we're small. We have a direct, I have a direct contact with every artisan. I can say, look, uh, when are you uh, doing the next uh, hands or the next dial or graving the next crowns? Uh, Mr. Smith's uh, uh, titanium uh, case, can we look at it now? And I'll take a picture and there's, that's it. So on your on your site, um, so which I really understand is a hub with a nice little private back door for the for the customers. What are the types of things that you have looked at in order to try and promote the luxury component of it? What are the, I mean, because let's say images, for example, we typically say, well, you must have the best images. But the challenge with having beautiful, huge, heavy images is they load slowly. How how have you gone about making a luxury environment? Well, it can always be improved, but we 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 work at optimizing our our, our media, of course. But um, the journey on the website is not designed for people who are looking for watches and who find me. They're for people who really are interested in what we do. So they take time, and that's and that's not an issue at all. I don't have the same challenges in a way, the same goals. My goal is to give information and share. What I'm working on now is working more on the brand history, sharing iconic old pieces, um, the press, articles, write about the inspiration. So this is extremely expensive in time, but that's very valuable. So it's a work in progress. Am I satisfied on a way? Yes, because it's simple, it works. We have, we have I mean, um, to open the kimono, we have about 15,000, 16,000 unique visitors a month on the website, which is really good. Uh, considering there's no advertisement on, on Google and, and it's just um, a, a meeting place for a small community of people. So I'm very happy about it. Some months it's a bit less, some months it's a bit more, but it has, it's growing every, every quarter basically. That's enough for me, you know, sure. but I, I want to improve it. So I'm, I'm 
answering questions. Now, this is the base. This is the home, basically the website. Mm -hmm. Then we have uh, other, uh, let's say, um, country houses around the internet, and we go where our clients are. And I simply use what's more convenient. And I've tested many tools and channels. As our focus is now continental Europe, France, and 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 in particular, and then UK and the US, which are the three territories we focus on. Uh, in Europe, we're opening in, in Florence soon. Our, the goal, the secondary goal of our web platform is to drive traffic to um, and the relevant clients, help them find our products and access them. So our retail strategy, for example, is to have very few flagship um, presences around the world. Typically in department stores? Yes. Um, I don't think uh, we, I mean, we, we, we aim at having flagship retailers around the world, which are style destinations. It's not about watches only. It's about an, an expression, a signature of a style, a partner to your style. So um, the watch uh, amateur or connoisseur will enjoy and really probably be impressed by the, and that's, that's what they say actually, by the, the technical aspects and the manufacturing aspects of, of, the, of the watch itself. But our clients are people who are buying singularity, creation, and personal, a personal relationship. So these people are, uh, again, as I say, um, amateurs of, of luxury. Mm -hmm. So where better to be than in places like Le Bon Marché in Paris, where it's amazing. We're starting at Luisa Villaroma in Florence, mm -hmm. and soon in other, we're also in Manhattan, and soon in other amazing destinations around the world. Because this is a place where, we can take the time to engage where I go, we meet. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to make our product accessible for people who want to see them, but also create, um, drive traffic to our partners locally. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. We create events. I travel a lot, as you know, but mm -hmm. you know, when I'm in New York, I just post a message saying, I'll be at the bar of the Nomad tonight at 6.30. And we have 20 people who arrive and, and we create a relationship like this. There's no filter. Now, the key tool for that is uh, Instagram. So I've tested many, many tools. The best selling tool I've ever found is Instagram. Uh, people actually go to stores and say, I want the Altitude True Blue, and they show the picture to, mm -hmm. the, to the, mm -hmm. the, the salesperson, advisor. Uh, then the relationship for me, which is ideal in our case, and again, there's no magical recipe, and I, I can't, mm -hmm. it's not an advice to anyone. What works for us is the couple, which is Instagram, Facebook. Facebook builds brand awareness and, and allows to repeat messages um, uh, a little bit like media in a way mm -hmm. and helps uh, build a, a sort of rapport with people and create an ecosystem, as mm -hmm. people say, right. uh, where the name rings a bell and, and makes, becomes meaningful. Like multiple, uh, multiple views. <laughs> yes. Then Instagram is the place where you can be intimate and share your emotions. What I have learned a lot... Uh, is that I've tried other things. Pinterest is cool. Uh, people use it as a shopping basket for future in a way. Uh, Twitter is absolutely useless. Uh, has absolutely never, ever had any single impact uh, on my path to contact or in my conversion rates, mm -hmm. uh, simply because it's not about... And it's not because Twitter is bad. Twitter is probably an excellent tool. It's just that it's irrelevant mm -hmm. at the, in the rhythm of what I'm doing. Yeah, and, and about what you're saying is like where your customers are. Exactly. And so you, you, but you're just saying you talk about conversion. So you have a system that allows you to track 
how people are going, which system are you using, if you can tell us, and, then, and what, what, are, what are the types of KPIs that you're really yeah. looking for? So um, we are currently migrating from one system to another yes. and moving to Google Premium, uh, basically because uh, I want to get out of the uh, aggregated data view that Google Analytics offers, which is great to start, but I need now to really be able to understand individuals' behaviors and uh, allocation of channels. A small brand has to allocate its investment and budget properly, but also understand, I need to understand the, the behavior and the, ex, uh, the the expectations of of my clients. And I know already, for example, that to... Uh, as I told you earlier, now we have people buying watches that we've never engaged with directly before, which is the great milestone for us. After six months, seven months of, of start, mm -hmm. we've always you know, activated our network and six, seven months after, started arriving and, and buying people I had never uh, engaged directly, personally, through a direct voice mm -hmm. you know, or, or a meeting. But people who came to Le Bon Marché and say, I saw this on Instagram, whatever, I, can I see it? So this has been an amazing milestone in, in, our, in our journey, the, the one I hoped for and, and was really impatient to see. And I've um, spoken to every single of our clients, analyzed every single um, of their um, their road paths oh. to us. Mm -hmm. And I understand that digital in our case is everything starts with the experience. This I knew and it was confirmed. Everything starts with someone seeing your watch uh, and, and being able to then touch it and view it. So Instagram goes with meeting someone in the street and sometimes it's, it's the little stimulus that people need just to be intrigued and, and check it out. Then I would say we need to have on average seven or eight conscious points of contact with our clients. I'm not trying to modeling model something. I'm trying to understand something. Mm -hmm. So it's like a store, and you you try to design your boutique to make it more convenient and efficient. Um, um, I don't try to sound too clinical, but mm -hmm. I, um, so our analytical tools by integrating the different social media and web and email. We haven't started email marketing yet. Mm -hmm. I do individual email marketing. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets an individual message at the moment. Mm -hmm. Back to what you're saying before, you can personalize. Yeah, and then we will start, you know, building some not you know more uh, campaign-based emails, which are more uh, you know. Um, one message after another that makes sense rather than come and join us and you'll get the next newsletter. It's more an introduction to the brand. It will not be a monthly newsletter, one for all, but as you join, right. you'll get one email which is explain who journey. we are, a journey. did want to just circle back on one other point, Alex, before we close off, because I know you, you have to drive off, is um, influencer marketing. So um, obviously there are spokespeople, there are celebrities, there are people in the know in luxury. How have you gone about that part of it? That's very important. Um, one point I'd like to add about social media is that one thing I've learned is that there is research online a lot. Then people go into the store, then then research again, and they research different things. They dig into more the technical aspects after a while, and then they look at who wears them and then talk about influencers. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've learned that really surprised me very much is that the people who buy the watches may follow but they never like or seldom like. In other words, it becomes then extremely difficult to track, th to track them. I don't try to track as in to say, oh, mentor has come and like this. This is not the, the, what the purpose. I try to understand how they use their system. And I've discovered, and I've discovered that I'm not the only one, that 
uh, I noticed that we have a good engagement rate to all the benchmarks that we have. We, we do have a good conversion rate because you're talking about KPI. My conversion I'm targeting are um, visits to registration, visits to contact, visits to pay, number of catalog page views, you know, uh, and goals. The goals, goals and geographies that I'm targeting more than others. So this is indeed very uh, important. And I'm also looking at online purchase. Online purchase for me today is a request. And as I add leather goods next month and other things, we will add more transactional elements. But I don't really, I'm not too keen on online direct transaction. Although you, you, and you put your price in there. Oh, so yes, it really course. does look like you can buy. You can. You just contact us. The transaction happens. I send you a quote and there's an electronic transaction right. that happens through the accounting system. I don't, it's, it's a different thing because we have different, uh, schedules of payment and personalization. It's, it's, it's e-commerce, it's e-commerce, but it's, it's a different way of doing it. But one thing which is really uh, important is that to tr- you cannot track as you would expect other brands because the specific- specificity of our clientele is that they will come to the store and say, oh, I saw that picture, I loved it. And then you notice they didn't like it. They just go and look. And why do you think they don't like it? I don't know. Uh, some of them are very exclusive. Some of them have very private accounts. Some of them just don't see the point. And also, they, uh, many people in the luxury market see it as a sign of uh, be, being a follower, being, a, 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 how to say, clicking is very unchic. It debases the whole act. Yes. So that's why I encourage people who try to look at uh, from a lecture as data and analytics to keep this in mind that they are not followers. You know what it makes me think of, Alex, is that when I, the other day I was, I was at a rugby match with a bunch of ex-national players for France, are very famous and I love them. You know, you and I are big rugby fans. Yeah. And I didn't want to take a selfie with them because I felt that that would debase exactly. the relationship. And it's, it feels almost like maybe the same thing. It's exactly like that. So now to the point of influencers. Uh, first of all, it's again a big buzzword. Uh, let's, let's face it and let's look at the number. How many of those guys are just self-proclaimed influencers? Mm-hmm. Probably nine out of ten of those big Instagrammers bought their likes and bought their followers. Mm. But if you look into it into more into more details, uh, the first and foremost influencer is your client. So the only access of work I have, the only priority, is to uh, make ambassadors out of my clients today. The word of mouth. Yeah, but a hundred percent of my clients, who therefore made the first purchase, either made a second one or brought a new one from someone around them. So we, my, my sales strategy, if I can call it this way, is individual engagement. We have dinners, we have presentations, we have just boys' dinners or girls' dinners and wine and cheese in total simplicity. It's, that's how we communicate. Now, influencers, there's no better influencer than someone saying, look, I'm wearing my mirror, so I'm enjoying it. And, and they do it with great pleasure and simplicity. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not trying uh, you know, to understand how, how the world is. So, of course, the press, uh, journalists, private accounts of journalists is, are, are very important. Uh, but to be honest, I'm, I'm not looking for an actor to wear it. I, I prefer the relationship we have with a client who 
uh, can be someone very famous and who spontaneously, because we've become friends or close, will say, hey, guys. Uh, Put me up in front of your, your website. Yeah, so that, that's, that's that, why not? I mean, we're we're starting to open profiles of clients now. We're going to have go live hopefully in a month or two with about ten or fifteen profile of our clients who are either artists or entrepreneurs or uh, you know big shots in the city or whatever who are, who are keen to say let be interviewed and tell why what luxury means to them. So that's what we're opening, and they're also opening uh, a blog called artindetail.com, mm -hmm. which is going to be a place where uh, people who cultivate art in detail and uh, subtlety and luxury will be able to express what it means to them. I mean, cooks, chefs, artists. And this is possibly the best influencer program one could imagine in my case. Last word, Alex. For anyone who's in luxury and wants to approach digital, what, what parting words would you have uh, for them to encourage them to do more? Be yourself. Beautiful. Alex, how can someone find you or, or the, what are the best ways? Uh, you give us the right URLs and, and uh, profiles to go and find you down. Thank you. Well, the first one is Mearson.com, M-E-E-R-S-O-N. And from there, you can join us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and, and we'd be happy to chat. Bon voyage, Alex. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, that's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray.
with all your favorite shades and we paint it with our fingers to show the world the way we feel oh all the way I feel My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.